Father God, thank you for your, um, for your word. Thank you for your spirit who um, makes your word come alive in our hearts and, uh, and, and changes us. Uh, thank you that you, um, you transform lives uh, through your word. And we pray that today um, you would soften our hearts to hear um, what you have for us. And we pray that uh, you would speak uh, very clearly and very powerfully into our lives today and transform them for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, these are the, some of the same words that you've just been singing in the, in the song. So Matthew six nineteen to 34. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own.
Well, thanks, Alison. Uh, and how lovely to hear the birds in the background as we're meeting together. Can you hear those coming through? How appropriate. <laughs> well, um, friends, uh, yeah, it's just great to gather again, isn't it, today? Jesus talks about treasure in this passage. Uh, treasure. And one of the most striking pictures of the grip treasure can have on us, it can have a grip on us, right, uh, is one of the most striking pictures that, of that uh, comes from one of my favourite books, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. You might recognise the, the photo up there. Of course, if you know the story, you'll know who this is. It's Smeagol, later to become Gollum, uh, who, who finds this, this ring and it ends up consuming him and becoming his... Precious, that's right. Someone knows his precious. Uh, or maybe if you're a bit younger, this is more familiar to you, though. Uh, it's from the Ice Age movies. Uh, does anyone uh, recognise this? The squirrel who's consumed with desire for the acorn uh, and will pursue it at all costs. Um, well, they're really powerful examples, aren't they, of the hold that something can have over us. Uh, they're very striking. But one possible downside to these kind of examples is that they can make you think that this kind of yearning for a treasure is just something that extreme characters have a problem with. Um, just for golems or prehistoric squirrels. Or, uh, whereas what we're going to find in this passage is that Jesus sees this actually as a danger for all of us. For all of us. Something everyone is in danger of. So he starts by talking about these two treasures. Two treasures uh, in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So there's these two treasures Jesus is talking about, right? One earthly and one heavenly. Uh, one won't last, one lasts forever. One can be stolen from you, the other is absolutely secure. And we've seen this pattern in Jesus' teaching up to this point, and it's just, I love how Jesus does this. He knows that the people he's talking to are in serious danger of, uh, of the temptation that earthly treasures can have on them. But what he, he doesn't say, what he doesn't say is, stop longing for treasure. You notice how Jesus doesn't do that? He doesn't say that. What he does do is he points us to the true treasure, the only treasure that's worth having. Just like we saw, we saw this last week, right, when Jesus is talking about um, the applause of other people versus the, applause, the, the well done of God. Uh, Jesus' kingdom isn't less, it's more. His kingdom isn't poorer, it's richer, <laughs> It's infinitely richer. There is a treasure that is so much more than the treasures of this earth. And Jesus says in verse 21, as you keep reading, there's like this straight line between that treasure to your hearts, to your hearts. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's really interesting, isn't it? When I read that, I expect Jesus to say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Sort of your treasure will flow out from you. But Jesus, I think he's doing something really interesting here. He's flipping that around and he's saying, well, look at actually where your treasure actually is. And that's a, that's a really good indication of where your heart is. 
Uh, it's so helpful, isn't it? And it's, and it's actually a really practical thing that Jesus is putting before us because it, it kind of it gives you something concrete to go off, right? Uh, it would be a really helpful spiritual exercise for all of us, for you today, to go home this afternoon and print off your bank statement <laughs> uh, and go through it and ask, ask yourself, where does this show, what does this show about my heart? What does this show about where my heart is? Or maybe uh, for you younger guys who don't have a, a, a bank account yet, for kids, maybe you could ask yourself, what are you saving up for? Where do you long to spend your pocket money on? What treasure are you storing up? So what, see what Jesus is doing here. He isn't laying down rules for how much you should save or how much you should put away for your retirement, how much is an acceptable amount to invest. Uh, he, he's not doing that. That would be the righteousness of the Pharisees and teachers of the law that he's been teaching against, right? He's not doing that. He's, he's going much deeper than that. He's not just giving you something you can check off. He's going to our hearts. So this verse 21 is so helpful in diagnosing where our hearts are. Uh, but it's, Jesus is also here. He's showing us a really helpful way to actually, for us to retrain our hearts. If what Jesus says here is true, then one of the best ways to fix your hearts on God is to give your money away to the work of his kingdom. Consciously, generously, cheerfully, in secret, as we learnt last week, without anyone knowing, to give up your earthly treasure so that you can store up heavenly treasure. So that's just very practical, isn't it, that what Jesus does? I wanted to share one habit that was recommended to me years ago that has just been, I found very helpful. I wanted to commend it to you. Uh, is to, um, alongside regular giving, I, to have the, a kind of certain amount of money in mind, in my head, a certain amount of money that I've, I've decided beforehand that I will give away without thinking about it uh, for things that are on about God's kingdom. Uh, it, it has to be enough that it's not just a token, but it's enough that it hurts a little. And when, when, when that happens, it's like a regular kind of retraining of the generosity muscle in my heart. <laughs> Uh, because um, that's what Jesus is saying here, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And friends, this is not just another bit of financial advice Jesus is giving. Do you see how there's actually a lot at stake here? Uh, it's not actually about the dollars and cents. You might know the story of Jesus and the widow giving her offering in the temple. It's not actually about the dollars and cents. It's about your heart. And it has big implications. You get that in verse 22 with this strange image of the eye uh, as the lamp of the body. Some of the details are a bit confusing, but I think Jesus' main point here is clear. Uh, there are two ways of looking at the world, one that's unhealthy and one that's healthy, one that leads to darkness and one that leads to light. Uh, if you have one of the church Bibles, an NIV Bible, you might have a footnote there that shows you that the original words for those words, healthy and unhealthy, they have a kind of financial connection to them. They can mean something like generous and stingy. Um, a generous eye, Jesus is saying, a way of looking at the world that is shaped by the treasure of heaven will fill you with lights. But a stingy eye... <laughs> 
a way of looking at the world shaped by the storing up of earthly treasures. Jesus is saying leads to darkness. And how great is that darkness? Uh, it's, it's a great darkness because, Jesus, because ultimately these two treasures and these two eyes, they flow out of two different masters. That's what Jesus goes on to say about, to talk about. They flow out of who or what you are serving, who or what you worship. And these masters are incompatible with each other. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That word money there, it's a, kind of, it's a pretty broad term. It's not just the dollars in your bank, but uh, material, possessions, your wealth, your property, the stuff that dollars can buy. And Jesus, he, do you notice what he, he sort of personifies this as like a rival god? Uh, what in the Bible gets called an idol? Um, author Tim Keller puts it like this. If God is not at the center of your life, something else is. <laughs> if God is not at the center of your life, something else is. See, when, when we say, if only I'll have that thing, whatever it is, if only I'll have that, then I will be significant, I'll be secure, I'll be able to rest. Whatever we say that about, that's actually what we worship. That's the master we serve. And one very real, live, common option for us is to say that about money. You see, money is an idol that promises security and comfort and control. But like all of our idols, right? Like all idols, it never delivers what it promises. So you serve money and it will only make you more insecure. <laughs> more envious of that person who has just a little bit more of you, more than you, right? But you see what Jesus says here, there is another one who you can serve. And this is so wonderful. Um, see, all our idols that we cling to, they, they end up actually enslaving us and they end up demanding that we give our lives for them. <laughs> God, God, the Father of Jesus, uh, he is the only one who, in, uh, you might know these words from the, from the Anglican Book of Common Prayer, he's the only one whose service is perfect freedom. His service is perfect freedom. Uh, he's the only God who doesn't hungrily insist that we give up everything for it. He's the one who, out of his great love, gave up his, even his own son for us. See the difference between these two rivals, um, these, two, these two gods, the one true God and the false God of money? Uh, but what Jesus goes on to talk about is how there's this connection between our worship and our worries, between our treasure and our anxieties. Uh, 25, verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? You notice how Jesus starts this verse with the word therefore? Uh, it, that's, he's connecting it to what he's just said. It's not a different sort of subject. Um, Jesus is talking about this particular kind of worry. 
worry connected to this pursuit of money uh, and, and the things money can buy. Um, food, clothes, <laughs> um, what you eat or drink. Uh, and down, down in verse 34, at the end of the passage, it's also a, it's a worry about tomorrow. Uh, one of the things money promises is security for tomorrow, right? Uh, the more money we have, the more control we have over our circumstances, the more control we think we have over tomorrow. Uh, but what Jesus goes on to say, uh, it, so there's a particular kind of worry that's in his sights here. What he was going to go on to say, though, is so helpful for all kinds of worries, all kinds of anxieties. Now, I'm conscious that there will be many, a wide range of responses to this among us. We'll, we'll kind of hear Jesus' words here quite differently. And I want to just speak briefly to those of us for whom anxiety, uh, it's not just simply worried thoughts that come every now and again, but a more ingrained and kind of physical experience. Perhaps you know it as a sensation that can kind of just come over you and seem like it takes control. And maybe just talking about this issue raises your pulse a little and tightens your chest a little. Uh, it's important to say that this isn't everything that the Bible has to say about anxiety. Uh, and it's also, I think, really important to say that doctors and counsellors can be great gifts from God to help you understand and manage uh, the physical and emotional sort of processes that are going on in your body. But for those of us who know what I'm talking about, um, one of the dangers here is that we can read Jesus' words as this kind of hard-edged command that leads you to even more anxiety. So, great, Jesus tells me not to worry. Now I'm worried about my worry. <laughs> now even my anxieties have anxieties. <laughs> Uh, friends, I want to encourage you today to hear what Jesus says here, less as that kind of hard-edged command and more as a gracious invitation to rest in the abundant care and provision of your Father. Uh, Jesus knows our every weakness <laughs> and in his grace he calls you to come to him, to rest in him and, and also to be shaped more and more by him and by the reality of his kingdom. So with that in mind, let's just take a breath and just hear and receive into your heart right now this word of your Lord. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. 
For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. When you come to know God as your Father through Jesus, see what Jesus opens up for us here? The whole world becomes charged with this kind of new kind of beauty and wonder. Um, birds, <laughs> birds that you just wouldn't give a second thought about otherwise. They, birds become not just one step in a meaningless evolutionary chain, right? Birds become cared for creatures who are fashioned and fed by the hand of your father. Flowers become like a royal robe covering the earth. Life in Jesus' kingdom, life in Jesus' kingdom is a life of unbelievable abundance. Uh, there is a kind of crude distortion of this called the prosperity gospel that says if, if only you believe enough, you'll be guaranteed health and wealth in this life. But the problem with that kind of thinking is not that it offers too much, it's that it offers far too little. There is a far greater abundance offered to us. The abundance of our Father's good and tender care for us. The one who created and sustains all things and does it with such artistry, right, and such love. The one who can be utterly trusted in every circumstance. See, this isn't um, some guarantee of treasures on earth. Jesus is pointing us to our true treasure in heaven, the treasure that gives real rest, that gives real security, and can't be touched by moths and vermin and thieves, <laughs> a treasure that you can have through Jesus, regardless of what is going on in your bank account right now <laughs> or any other aspect of life. And that's why Jesus comes back uh, in verse 33. He comes back to urging us to store up this true treasure. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Notice Jesus does have a place for physical realities and needs and uh, what we eat, what we drink and what we wear. He does have confidence that you know, we looked at last week that God would give us each day our daily bread. Um, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. But you've got to notice the order, right? <laughs> these other things are not first things. They trail after the first thing, which is God's kingdom, his righteousness. So Jesus says, invest in that, seek after that. And trust your Father for the rest. It's really, you've got to be so careful when we read through these things, right? Because there's, there's dangers on, on, on either side. Well, Jesus isn't, this isn't a call to kind of irresponsibility or laziness, right? Uh, we've got to, we hold this with the rest of the Bible's teaching. Uh, work is a good gift from God. Providing for our family is right. Enjoying good, God's good gifts is good and right and brings him glory. But in all of that, Jesus urges us here to make sure that we don't turn good things into God things. Uh, that, we, that we actually recognize that God of money, the idol, 
and we despise it or any other idol and devote ourselves to the true and living God and to his kingdom. So friends, I mean, this is really big stuff for us, right? Important things for us to work through. What Jesus gives here is a, is a way to do that, and this is the stunning part of this, right? He gives us a way to, to do that, to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, even with our money. He gives us a way to do that, not with gritted teeth, or not with some kind of overinflated sense of our own self-sacrifice. He shows us the way to do that joyfully, naturally, cheerfully, and even self-forgetfully. Uh, if we saw reality, if we saw the true grain of the universe, of course we would make it the, the great ambition of our lives to store up treasures in heaven, to seek first his kingdom. So, see, if we see that, we'll see that Jesus isn't actually asking his followers to give up anything of any real value at all. <laughs> uh, the message of the gospel is that he's the one who does the real giving up. He's the one who does the real giving up, not us. Um, Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. He gave up the incomparable riches of heaven so that you could have them and so that you could offer them to the world around you. So friends, in light of all that, let's just hear Jesus', um, Jesus word to his followers again. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you as well. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you so much for your kindness and grace to us in the gospel. Uh, we thank you that through Jesus uh, we are brought into this world of true treasure, of knowing you as our Father. Uh, keep us, we pray, from the idol of money. Uh, Lord, we pray that in your grace you might direct our thoughts and our hearts, our minds towards your fatherly, true and constant care for us. And in the light of that, in the security of that, that you might show each of us what it looks like for us to store up these treasures in heaven and to seek first the things of your kingdom. Uh, we pray that for ourselves and we pray that for our world in Jesus' name. Amen.